Adam, uh, forgive me for being so scattered uh, tonight. I, I'm not even sure that I mentioned this, but then just praying through the list with Ann a, a couple of minutes ago, um, Hunter, Hunter Timmerman, it, he's on the prayer list tonight, um, Mike and June's son. He's actually moving to Japan, and it, it's in the next couple of weeks, and so he's going to be making a permanent relocation there. And he's excited, and, and, you know, thank God for opportunities that he gives people, but just pray for God to continue to work in him and to bless that transition. And, and then obviously pray for Brother Mike and Miss June and uh, for God to encourage them. And just pray for that, um, just for all of that transition. And then it's great to have Miss Tina here. I know on Sunday she had some issues, um, and, and apparently those kids are a little harder on her than they let on. I'm going to say to all the parents in here, it's your fault. It's your kid. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding about that. We thank God that she's okay. And just going to do some follow-up. She's doing, she's doing well, but just pray for God's help in that. All right, let's open our Bibles to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. For our guest, we are in a series on Wednesday night explaining why we are a Baptist church. And we've tried for the last several weeks, this is message number six, we tried for the last several weeks just to give some explanation, reference some historical things, some modern trends, and, and, and biblical promises. And, and I've spent so much time trying to clearly say what that means and what it does not mean. Okay, All right. so what it means and, and what it doesn't mean. And you say, you know, I, I haven't been here for all of that. Okay, well, then you're going to have to go back and check it out because I'm not, I'm not going to keep re-preaching that. All right, this, in five weeks, there have been some statements that I have made over and over and over and over again. And so the main thing that we've tried to focus on and that we've been building towards is that a church is primarily defined not by the name on the sign but by what it believes and what it practices. And those are two different things. Because like you heard in the video, you can have a statement of faith that really doesn't mean anything in, in how you live out your life. And so I, I told you this last week that we're going to begin tonight getting into some of the key things that we believe as a church. Now here's what, here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that I've gone around and polled everybody and like, hey, do you agree with this statement or this position? I haven't. I'm going to let you in on something else. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. There's an open door policy that it, as, you, as, you, as we go through this or anything, and, and, and I, I mean this, any message, any lesson, if you have a question about something or you know you disagree with it, or you think you disagree with, or you're not sure you understand, just come and talk to me. There, there are people in this room, there are people that I've had this experience with, where they have said, I'm not sure I'm in the same place as you are on this. And so we talk about it. It's, it's not a hostile conversation. And if it's going to honor Jesus Christ, it's not going to be a hostile conversation. And, and so don't, don't get afraid of this kind of thing. But, but we do need to have specific positions. This doesn't need to be the book of Judges where every man does that which is right in his own eyes. That's not helpful or healthy for anybody. And so we're going we're gonna to begin to go through these things. Initially, the, the, this is going to kind of be divided up over the next several weeks into a couple of different categories. I'm going to start, and, and this message will take a few Wednesday nights, or this particular section, I'm going to start by giving you an acronym using the word Baptist. Look, again, I want to remind you of what that doesn't mean, okay? It doesn't mean that I think the only true churches are Baptist churches, and it doesn't mean that, that, that I know who is what. That, that's not the point. I've gone over, over this so many times. I just, as I've grown up, I, were, I was taught certain things, and this was just something that helped me categorize some things and memorize some things. And so I'm just going to share it with you, okay? As always, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight, as always, if anything that I say contradicts the Word of God, you agree with the Word of God. Thousand percent, every time you're like, man, what do you mean by the use of this acronym? I just told you. I was taught 
And, and I have to filter through things that I was taught, what is biblical and what is not. And, I, and way too many people in churches, they just say they believe something because it's what their parents believe, but they never take the time to make sure they understand the truth of the word of God. I'm thankful for a mom and dad that raised me in the authentic, genuine, biblical faith of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean I land in the exact same spot as, every, as, as they do on every single thing. But I know that they taught me based on the word of God. But I still had to come to some conclusions on my own. And so this is just some, an easy way for you to track it. The order, the order is not the important thing because then we would be making up words with that. And you'll see what that means as we go on. I'm just, I'm just trying to highlight some things in a way that you can re, that can make it easy to categorize them and remember. And then there's some other things that we need that we need to add to it. And so if you say, man, I really don't like that. Okay, fine. Don't like it. I'm gonna sleep just fine tonight. <laughs> this acronym is not inspired. <laughs> okay. I, I really need y'all not to be weird about this. Like, man, why would you do that? Because I am. And because I can. <laughs> Y'all aren't having fun with this anymore. But I need to make sure nobody goes home and like, man, what does he think? I'm going to tell you what I think. Just relax, okay? Now that I've got everybody all stirred up about it, <laughs> y'all were like, we were doing fine until you started acting weird. All right, so the, the acronym... The, the first letter is what we'll deal with tonight, and, and we'll deal with multiple letters, but this one is very, very important. And, and so some, next Wednesday, we'll deal with more than one letter, but tonight, the letter is B, and this is, this is what it stands for, biblical authority. Biblical authority. Here's the statement. The Bible is the sole authority for faith and practice. That's the statement that you need to have. The Bible is the sole authority, meaning exclusive, the only one for faith and, and practice. You say, well, number one, it's easy to make that statement, but not actually apply it. And I'm, I'm going to show you an example in the Bible, and then there's plenty that you can reference in modern culture. But in Psalm 138, Verse number one, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. Verse two, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Look up here. A, a balanced perspective is always to rejoice in God for both his grace and his truth. It's not one or the other. And we have all kinds of churches in one of, in one of those two ditches. You have some churches that major only on the truth. And there's zero reflection of the grace and love of God towards people that need him. And then you have churches that only major on the love of God with no regard for truth. And they end up not even knowing the love of God because they dilute his truth to the point that it's not even recognizable anymore. Throughout scripture you see this balance and it's a balance that, that has tension in it. This is a whole nother message, but just this mindset. Don't run away from things that bring tension. Because tension helps us to be balanced. For example, in marriage, I don't know if you've been around us long enough yet, but Andrea and I are not the same. Like, well, y'all just seem to get along so well. Because we do. Sometimes. And the times that are not those sometimes are because she's the way that she is. And I'm the way that I am. And, you, and, and listen, we, you can ask her. We've talked about this. This has been a, such a helpful principle in, in helping our marriage is that God uses that tension to pull us. You're like, well, I don't like being pulled. Right, but you need to be pulled. And it creates balance. It helps you to get out of certain ditches. And it helps your wife to, or it helps Anne to get out of certain ditches. It creates balance. There can seem to be tension between grace and truth. But they, in the kingdom of God, they are married perfectly. You can't do with one without the other. 
You got you to gotta have both. But then notice what he says. I will praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. This is such a crazy statement. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. <laughs> what it, what it, now, let me ask you a question. Does God take very personally the use of his name? Yeah, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. His name is above every name. By the way, by the way, his name, you ought not to be teaching your kids by your use of his name to use his name as some kind of means of expressing frustration. No, his name ought to only be used in reverence and love and affection and adoration. I don't care how bad your finger got smashed. I don't care how crazy traffic is. I don't care how frustrated you are with the team or with the finances. But your lips ought to protect that name. No, even with our children. You know how sometimes you can start making jokes and and kids hear things and they say silly things and they don't mean anything. And I'll even stop my kids and say, look, look, I understand you're just trying to be funny and, and that's okay, but we don't use God's name just being ridiculous and casual because his name is different than every other name, and it ought to be respected. Okay, you agree with that. You buy into that. This is what God himself said. I've exalted my word above my name. Look, I don't even understand all of the implications of that or how it's possible. Here's what I know. His name matters. To him, his name matters. And his word matters. It matters. So, why biblical authority matters? Number one, already, it's kind of the introduction, I just gave it to you. You're going to move quickly through this. Biblical authority matters because God's word is important to him. Number one, God took the time to give us his truth, and that truth matters to him, and he has magnified it above all his name, is what his word says. He's, he's lifted it up. He's exalted it above. It, therefore, it should matter to us. Number two, look at John 1, 1 and 2. And I, I should have given you a heads up. We're going to be looking at a lot of references. John 1, 1 through 2. We won't be looking at every reference. We're not going to deal with everything you could deal with in this. Just trying to give you a framework for why we believe what we believe. And obviously there can be more added to it or discussed. John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Because the, the, word, the word of God, I've heard it described this way. If Jesus could be a book, it would be the Bible. And if the Bible could be a person, it would be Jesus Christ. The word is the authority of God. The word is the authority of God. Jesus came and he, and he manifest himself. And by manifesting himself... As all God and all man, he was manifesting the truth of God. Number three, because of the examples of the first believers and acts. And I understand, okay, I understand we were talking about, you go, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. I'm, I'm talking about after the ministry of Jesus Christ, those first believers looking back at what he had done in Acts 5.29 it says this, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey who? God rather than men. Well, how do, you, how do you know how to obey God based on what he said? And so what Peter was saying to the, and by the way, his argument, the disagreement was with the religious establishment. 
You have the religious establishment in power, and this is what they're saying. You, you need to be and do differently than you are. Stop declaring the name of Jesus Christ. You, you need to adhere to the traditions, our traditions, passed down to us from Abraham and from Moses. But you remember what Jesus' response to that was. Before Abraham was, I am, meaning Yahweh, the self-existent, the eternal God. And so Peter is saying, listen, we have to obey God above. We have to obey God's authority more than we do man's authority. We're going somewhere with this. Just giving you the reasons. Last thing, because, the author- because of the authority that Jesus said his word should have in churches. Look at Revelation 2. Revelation 2, verse number 12 And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Does anybody know what that's a reference to? Hebrews, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of Maryland, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works. And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the, what's the word? Doctrine. Okay, but do you, do you remember just the idea, not saying the message, but the idea that people complain about doctrine? Okay, everybody that believes anything believes doctrine. You may not call it doctrine, but it's a truth. It's a body of truth that you believe. And Satan has doctrine. Who taught Balaam, back in verse 14, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly." And will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Notice this phrase. What the Spirit, read the next word. What the Spirit saith unto the churches. Please get it. God has something to say to his people. And what he has to say, by the way, it's timeless. And what he was saying is what he is still saying. It's not outdated. It is a timeless book filled with timeless truth that is relevant in every generation. And what he says should have preeminence over anything that man says. So on this first part, why biblical authority matters. What God says must have preeminence over anything that any man or any organization or any church of any generation, anywhere of any size, with any name on their sign says. The Bible has to have authority over all of it. If men decide what God says instead of God deciding, declaring what God says... All sorts of false doctrine and practices will arise. Do you get that? Have you ever heard of the game telephone? (laughs) Maybe you haven't played the game telephone, but if you have more than one child and you've told one child to tell another child to do something, you've played the game telephone. (laughs) If you've ever been a pastor and you ask one person to tell another person, yeah, okay, okay, I'll stop, I'll stop. I could keep going. This is, this is so much fun. I don't even put this stuff in my notes, man. It's just so good. I have to, I have to remind, my, remind my kids, look, I, I told you to tell them that dad said to do something. Okay, here's what that doesn't mean. Hey, you need to go do that. No, 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 no. You don't have any authority to command. What do you mean you're walking into that room telling your younger sister, telling your younger brother, hey, you need to do this? 
No, no, no. You don't have that authority. You do have the authority because I told you to go in and say, Dad wanted me to tell you to do this and to say it in a very kind and clear way. Because in this house, child, you don't have any authority. You get to sleep here, eat here, be educated here, shower here, because you're not stinking up my house. Otherwise, you have no authority in my house. When I tell you to go do something, you're not going and acting like you're in charge. Yep, I'm in charge. No, you're not. I'm in charge. Your mama's in charge. You're not in charge. You don't even have a job. You haven't graduated from high school. What's wrong with you? And when you graduate from high school, you're living in my house, you still aren't in charge. Man, this is another message. I need to move on. I'm excited about the parenting class resuming on Sunday, amen. Stuff's been building up for a couple of weeks. No, here's what, here's what happens with pastors and churches today. Yeah, I mean, Jesus had good intentions, but he's not aware of this culture. No, no, no. I understand that's the way, that, that, that's, that's, what, that's what they said. But, but you know, we, we kind of have a handle on where we're at. You know what happens when you take that position? You have churches that on paper say they believe the right thing, but their spirit doesn't reflect Jesus Christ at all. Amen. You have churches doing things like not just not, just not ordaining, or, ordaining ladies to be pastors, but now we're ordaining lesbians and homosexuals to be pastors. We sanction things like baptism as a means of achieving salvation. You promote Calvinism, which says that God picks and chooses who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. When God doesn't have the final say about what he's saying, we get into a mess every single time. I know I've told you this. I don't want you to get bored with it. But you've got to understand how seriously I take this issue. Number one, I give anyone access to come to me about something that I preach. You, you have access to talk to me about it. I am not off limits to you. I am not above making a mistake. I'm not above believing something or saying something the wrong way. Just like you're not. But you have the word of God and you have the Holy Spirit of God. You can talk to me about anything. But number two, we, we have we have processes in place so that if our leadership within this church is concerned that I am beginning to move in a direction that contradicts the truth of the word of God. Did you hear what I said? The truth of the word of God. Not the truth of your preferences. Not the truth of the way people have done things for 100 or 200 years. Not the truth of how your church somewhere else did it but the truth of the word of God, then they need to come to me about that. We, we, we don't mess around with this. The authority of the word of God matters. What God says should determine how we function as a church, how we, oh, how we love as a church, how we minister as a church, how we reach out as a church, how we give as a church, how we help missionaries as a church, how we hopefully one day send out missionaries as a church, how we deal with people who are struggling with sin. And by the way, the loving kindness and the truth of God is always for the purpose of reconciliation and the reason we try to handle things in a way that helps recover people instead of destroying people is because it's what Jesus did in the word of God. We don't use this authority as some kind of whipping post to shame people and to embarrass people. Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians were dealing with extreme situations where people refused to be helped, where people refused to humble themselves, where people refused to admit wrong. We don't broadcast people's struggles because I have struggles, because you have struggles. See, what are we talking about right now? We're talking about the authority of the word of God. And I'm just telling you, in the way that I want you to have confidence in what God says, I have that same confidence. And I've looked people in the face and said, you can believe sincerely whatever you want, but what you believe contradicts the word of God. And I don't say it this intensely. (sighs) But you're wrong. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what your emotions are telling you. I don't care how much you're crying, how angry you are, what you think you know, what degrees you have. 
You contradict the truth of God, you're wrong. And I'm not apologizing for that. But then I want to deal with a secondary issue. First issue, the Bible, get this statement, is the sole authority for faith and practice. Okay, also, can you please be thankful? And it, don't, don't say amen to this. I try to be honest with you when I'm not sure about an issue. Can you please try to develop in your heart gratitude that we are trying to be a church that isn't using the authority of God's word to say things that it doesn't actually say? No, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not asking for amens on that. I'm asking you to value what you have. There's a whole lot of people saying a whole lot of things that the Bible doesn't actually say for sure. Number two, I want to I deal with this issue and just give explanation for why we use the King James. Now, this is an issue that make all kinds of people squeamish and nervous. And, and look, there, there are people, there might be people in here that even right now, you have, you're using a different version. And I'm going to put some fears to rest. I'm also going to explain why we do what we do. You say, well, I kind of see things differently. That's completely fine. <laughs> now, see, some of y'all are really nervous about this. You know why it's completely fine? So then every one of us must give an account of himself to God. But I am the pastor. I do not take that lightly. And in Hebrews 13, the only person during this period that God lets me be the pastor that has to give an account for the positions of this church is Jonathan Pyle. And so I'm going to tell you why I believe what I believe and why we do what we do. <laughs> let me deal with what it's not, why it's not. It is not because you can't get saved if you were led to the Lord out of a version other than the King James. There are clowns who say that. You say you shouldn't call people clowns. No, when you say something like that, you are, in fact, a spiritual clown. People get saved because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. You can tell me that in Taiwan, somebody read a tract somewhere, somebody heard the gospel, and, like, and, and because it may not have quoted it exactly like you're familiar with it in English, that means they didn't get saved. No, I'm telling you, we can get really weird on some stuff. It's not, that's not why. It's not because you can't grow if you use something else. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with this, man. I, I'm just going to sit here for a minute. I, this, is the, this is what I'm amazed by. And y'all just need to get comfortable for a second. I am amazed at the inability of people to have strong convictions without going into some ditch. No, you can believe things strongly, but you don't have to go to crazy lengths for them. You can st actually stay balanced in what you do and why you do that. People out there saying, man, and, and, and even, even beginning to be derogatory about this issue, which I'm going to deal with in a little bit, it's not that you can't be used by God. <laughs> Bless God, he's not using, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with that in a minute, so I don't need to get ahead of myself. And it's not that you're a second class Christian who doesn't love God. Okay. So here's what I want you to ask. Not, don't ask me literally. I, but what I want you to be asking is, why does our pastor use this? What is his reasoning? I'm just going to share it with you. Okay? Number one, because in all actuality, the King James and every modern translation other than that are translated out of two different texts. Ancient text. You have the Textus Receptus. And then you have the Alexandrian text. I've, I have done a lot of reading on this, and there's a whole lot more that I need to do on this. But you can't run from this fact that different texts produce different products in some way. Number two, because of, and these are just practical things, because of the belief that God did 
what he said he would do. What do you mean by that? Um, I've shared this conversation with you. One time there was a, there was a, the director of a board that oversaw one of the translations of the NIV. He was giving a, he was giving a talk where I was, and so I wanted to go here. I, I just wanted to hear, hey, what do you have to say about this? I'm just, I'm just there to learn. I'm just trying to understand. And so he begins to talk about some things, and this is what he said in his talk with everyone. You can't ever really know what is the word of God and what isn't the word of God. You can't ever really know for sure. And that, that, that's not just some dude up there. That's a guy that oversaw it. Well, that right there causes me problems. Because if I can't know, how do I ever know? And what business do I have standing up in front of people telling them this is how you can know for sure that you're a child of God? No, if we're taking the approach we can't really know, then we just might as well call this what it is, a club made up of people who want to use individuals to make money and to accomplish some good in a community, but it certainly isn't reflecting faith in an eternal God of eternal truth and eternal grace. And if that's the mindset that they are doing their work with, that, is, that should be a cause of major concern. Okay, I believe God has promised to preserve his word. I believe it's inspired. I'm going to give you just practicing. Second Peter, write these down if you want to. Second Peter 1.21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Psalm 12, 6, and 7. This one's actually interesting because there are people who argue over whether or not he was talking about preserving people or preserving the words. I think you can make a case for both. And both of them can be true because in the context of Psalm 12, he was specifically dealing with the words of the wicked and his own words, his own promises. And he says, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And I understand how you can go either way, but it's possible you can be talking about both of them there. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Here's the question, how did God do it? Okay, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I know you know the verse, but wait. Sorry, I'm not trying to be rude. Like, how did he do it? Let me ask you a question. Do you struggle believing that Jesus saved you? Do you struggle believing that God spoke and it came into existence? (laughs) You know what? Look, there's some pretty radical things out there that we plant our flag and say, we believe God did this. You struggle believing that God created a male and a female? You struggle with that? There are people who do. Do you struggle with that? No. Oh, please, please, please get this. Please get this. If I can believe that God created the world, he gave him a perfect environment, man sinned, and he, from the foundation of the world, knew that man would sin and so had the way of redemption prepared so that People could be saved for eternity. It's no trouble for me to believe that in every generation God can preserve his word. It's not hard. You say, well, I don't understand how that could be. Well, I believe God that it can be. Number three, different translations, and this is going to bother some of you. It's, this, this statement right here has the, the, the potential to bother everybody. Here's the first part. Because different translations have many similarities. Look, I've been making, my, making some of my own friends, pastoring circle friends mad about this. I mean, there, there are many, many similarities. But they also have differences. Let me give you some examples. Look at Acts 8, if you would. And we're not, again, I'm just, I'm just showing you there's so much more that you can get into, and, and I'm, I'm telling you this so that you know where I'm at, where the church is officially, and if you need to have conversations, then have a conversation with me, and please don't mistake my intensity in preaching for my attitude about people who disagree with me on this, because it's not the same, 
In Acts 8, verse 35, Philip has been sent to the Ethiopian eunuch who, is, who believes God, but he doesn't understand the gospel of Christ. And so Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Notice verse 37. What did the eunuch ask? Can I be baptized? Notice verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Both the NIV and the NASB remove verse 37. And it just goes from this. Here's water. Can I get baptized? Then they stop the chariot and they get baptized. No, like I understand there are other scripture, there are other, there are other examples in those versions that would, would hopefully clear that up. And you can even look at the King James and say, well, this, this kind of makes, it, it, this can kind of be in that same category at times. It, for example, Acts chapter 16. It says, they said, what, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It doesn't tell us it doesn't demonstrate his profession of faith. He went home. Now look, this is, where, this is where people on my side of the issue aren't always honest like they need to be. No, it doesn't say it. The, the implication is that he did. You say, well, why can't we just make that same implication with other versions? Because the more you take out things like this, the more you open yourself up to danger. Being misunderstood. Um, look at... Acts 23, I'm just giving you examples of a few things. Acts 23, verse 9. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and showed, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Look at Romans 13, 9. Say, so what are we talking about? For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Both versions that I've referenced have, an, have omitted parts of those verses. I'll give you one more example in Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse 14. And, it, and I'm going I'm to deal with it something here. I just, I want you to think about it. It's a logical thought. Colossians 1.14 says, in whom we have redemption, read the next three words. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Both the NIV and the NASB omit through his blood. Now, is the blood of Jesus Christ significant? Yeah, 100%. So what's the point of this? Let me just throw some facts at you, and then, and then I'll make the point. The KJV, according to what I can find, has 783,137 words. The NIV has 727,969 words. That's a difference of over 55,000 words that have been taken out. The ESV has 25,698 words less. Here's the point. You can't leave out that many words and it not have some effect on the substance of what is being said. It's just impossible. And you can argue how significant it is, but you, you cannot remove over 50,000 or 25,000 words respectively and it not have some effect on what is being said. And I want, to, I want to show you one last example of this. Minor alterations to his word can have major consequences. You think I'm going to Revelation, but I'm not. I'm going to the very first instance where his perfect word was called into question. Genesis 3. No, no, don't even turn. Don't even turn. Look at me. Just look at me for a second, please. Actually, to be consistent, turn, sorry. Brain lapse. Y'all are like, hurry up and get done. And I'm not done yet. I still have another page that we have to get to. No, you're saying amen now. You're not going to like the last page. I promise you're not going to like the last pages. I don't even necessarily like the last page. 
You know what happens in Genesis 1 and 2? God, this is beautiful, God said. You know how God made all this happen? He said it. Let there be, and there was. Like, I don't, that doesn't match up with science. No, science can only go so far. And whatever computer model your professor is telling you about, it's where they input all the data. There eventually reaches a point to where we have to say, we don't know where this started. And the Bible is the only thing that provides a, a, a logical conclusion or observation whereby you can say, man, order does not come out of chaos. Order actually is produced by order. Hallelujah. You know how that order was? Formed the word of God. This is an amazing word. His word, his word, his spoken word produced these mountains I marvel at here. The sun that rises and the moon that comes out at night and the stars that shine. And these mountains and the valleys and the rivers that flow. And all of these things that we enjoy in creation were formed by his word. But in chapter 3, you know what happened? God's word was called into question. Look at chapter 3. The serpent said to Eve in verse number 1, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What is he doing? He's just, he's manipulating it. And any manipulation in any direction is dangerous. Man, I'm, man I, could just, I could go on for another hour about churches that seem to have the same kind of sign and seem to be the same kind of church that we are that are nothing like we are because they manipulate the text to drag people into oppressive environments. Manipulation of the word of God in any direction is dangerous for God's people. And it creates oppression or it creates confusion. And he said, yea, God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it. And then she does this, neither shall ye touch it. Did he say not to touch it? No, no, look, obviously, logically, if you said don't eat it, there's no reason to touch it. But it's, what, it's the point, it's, it's the demonstration that a little manipulation leads to a little more manipulation, which eventually, eventually leads to confusion. But of, and then the serpent says in verse 4, ye shall not surely die. It's manipulation, and then it's complete denial. Did that start off as a minor alteration? Look, 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 look. You can have whatever position you want on this. You just need to be intellectually honest. Did that, was that a minor alteration in the beginning? Yeah, it was. Did it have major consequences? Absolutely it did. Last thing. Avoid the ditches. Thank you, Brother Justin. Number one, this issue is settled here. People say, man, I just wish you would preach on that more. I'm not throwing out amen buttons so people can say amen to something. People need actual help in their real lives. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, and this, this isn't going to be the thing that we're talking about all the time. It's settled here. Let me make, the, the, please get this. It doesn't matter which version you use if you don't obey it. Look, this is going to, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to upset people with this. I believe what I believe about this, that the King James was, is, is the preserved word of God. And when God gave it, it was inspired. And it's been in, preserved in every generation. You say, well, what about dark, the dark ages? And what about different things? I under, listen, I'm going to get to this in a, in a moment. I understand there are questions about all of this. And, and it's more than just one conversation. But the, the issue in my mind is settled. But it doesn't matter what version you use if you're not obeying it. It's like, it's like somebody coming in here and saying, I wear a suit. I'm godly. No. You know how many people get sentenced to prison while they're wearing suits? Man, 
man, that, that dude is that man. Look at her; she's godly. Look at him; he's godly. No, they're not. They're going to jail, and contrary to what they say, they're not innocent. Look, listen. We've done this in churches, like ours. As long as I wear this and I carry this, I'm right with God. No, I actually do have leadership requirements for what people wear here. Not, not sorry for that. There are no dress requirements for being a member and being a part of this church family. But if you want to lead, we're going, we're going to hold ourselves to a higher expectation. I'm not sorry for that. We, the, the, the issue of the Bible that, that, we, that we read from, teach from, preach from, that is not an issue here. No, this is what we're going to use. But I don't care what you use if you go home and start screaming at your kids because you're having a bad day. Don't talk to me about the version of the Bible that you use when you're looking at pornography. Don't talk to me about your King James when you're using drugs in order to compensate for your anxiety. When you're cursing at people at work because they make you mad. Don't talk to me about Bible versions. You need to humble yourself and allow Jesus Christ to change who you are. There are people who come here. And some, and, and some people would view me as weak for this. And frankly, I do not care. People come here using all sorts of versions. And you know what their greatest need is? To know the grace and the mercy and the help of Jesus Christ. There is a place for having a conversation about that issue. But that's not the first and the greatest need that people have. And so many people that needed help in their marriages, that needed to know their life wasn't a waste, that needed to be encouraged and that needed to be helped in their walk with God, that needed to know God wasn't finished with them. They could have come along on this issue down the road, but they got smacked in the head as soon as they walked in the door and were never given an opportunity to know the grace of God in their lives. And I'm telling you, you can't believe what I believe stronger than I believe it, but I care about people. Because Jesus cares about people. I'm sorry I'm so fired up about this, but we aren't going to be a church that makes fun of and bashes people over this issue. Again, I'm not apologizing for it. I'm not compromising on it. I'm not changing on it. Man, we're going to allow God to work in people's hearts over things. Let me say this, what version you use should not be determined by what your parents said or did. Either way, you ought to have some convictions based on what you believe about God. You can have grown up using one thing. That doesn't mean it was a bad thing or the best thing. You need to be able to examine what you do and what you believe on its own merits. We do not have superior or inferior classes of people. <laughs> but I do believe God inspired and preserved his word. Amen. I'm not ashamed of that position. But I also believe that people can use what I believe to be the right version and still spend eternity in hell. Why? Just like the name on a sign doesn't save you, this isn't what saves you. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves you. I understand people can take this and run off with it and say that I'm saying something crazy either way that I'm not. People get saved by the gospel. And if you change the word of God enough, you're no longer preaching the gospel. That is why I believe this is the word of God for English-speaking people today. But other people choose to read different things. That doesn't mean God can't work. That doesn't mean they're inferior. They're making decisions that they have to know why they are and be convinced of that. People get saved because they humble themselves and acknowledge their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And it just might be that there are some independent Baptists wearing suits who have the right version of the Bible, but they spend eternity away from God because Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. You think there might be some pastors who aren't saved? 
So we just, what is my point? We got to have balance. Just got to have, I've got to balance. So if you have questions, ask. If you disagree, if you're going to tell me you disagree, then be willing to have a conversation with me about why you disagree. If you're just going to walk by me and say, I disagree with you. uh, (laughs) You want me to sign your Bible? (laughs) I mean, high five on the way out. Listen, you need to understand what we are and why. And I hope this has brought some clarity about this. We need to be what we are because we believe the word of God. And then because of the significance of that issue, you need to understand why I believe the King James is the inspired, preserved word of God for English-speaking people today. All right. Let's all stand. (laughs) Brother Nate. I really did not think this was going to take this long. But it's worth the time. Um, On Sunday night, we have our chili cook-off. And we give money during that time. We eat a bunch of chili, then we give money to camp. And, And that's the offering that makes it possible for teens to go to camp. Not every family has the same access to resources. And so we just give generously in that. And, and every year, thank you, Miss Jessica, every year our church has done a great job of giving to that. And let's not make this year any different. We're just going to eat chili. We're going to give our amazing trophy out to another winner. Young Robbie Wickland is the defending. Is he the defend? No, who was Miss June. June. She's not even here. That's why I forgot. Her name is on the trophy. Or maybe she's in the nursery. Is she in the, no, I don't know. Anyway, hi, Miss June. I'm sorry. You're the defending champ. I hope you can come back and defend your title, even though I just did all of that. Anyway, um, uh, Miss June's the defending champ. And uh, so we're, somebody's going to get this amazing trophy. But the point is to invest in our teenagers. So come ready to do that. At the same service, the men will be giving testimonies about how God worked in their heart. And I really want you to, I want you to hear that. One person I forgot to mention, I didn't even see her. It's great to have Melina back home. And so she has finished uh, this, the year at West Coast, and we're so thankful for God working in her life. Thankful that she's home. Amen. So make sure to get by and say hello to Melina. Love you. See you Sunday.